first reading today comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. We live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Our gospel reading for this first Sunday in Lent comes to us from Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses. Listen for the Spirit's word to you. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down. And worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Spirit of the desert. You drove Jesus to the edge of the world to find his truth and calling. Scour our hearts and awaken our hunger that freed from empty clinging we might find ourselves in you. 
through Jesus Christ, the Lord of the wilds. Amen. I was an early adopter of podcasts. I was already listening to them when Steve Jobs announced them at Macworld in 2007. And so I had one of those, it wasn't a first generation, I think it was a third generation iPod that had the little turn wheel that you could scroll through all your content. I loved that. I loved that thing until it died. And in this act of programming genius, it made, the the device made a frowny face graphic before it died. (laughs) Who is the programmer who did that? Just before it dies, make sure it frowns at you. But since then, I found other ways to listen to my podcast when I cook, when I wash dishes, when I drive, when I go to the gym, when I go to the bathroom. Basically, any moment that I have to myself, I'm usually listening to someone else's voice. And I've noticed in the last couple years, it seems like everybody's catching up with me. Uh, When I go for a walk in the park, more often than not, people got their earbuds in. At the gym, it's like 95% of people. At the grocery store, most people have things in their ears. They can listen to other people's voices. Who will you listen to? Now, I'm guessing a lot of you aren't podcast people, which is fine, but you are still surrounded by voices all the time, voices that want to influence you, to inspire you, to share you, to to, to scare you, to shock you, uh, and of course, above all else, to sell you something. There are voices that are all around us, and there are voices that are within us, and who you listen to shapes your life. Well, today is the first Sunday in Lent, which every year we follow Jesus back to the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. And if that seems strange to you, it's, it's weirder still. Because Matthew tells us that he was led there by the Spirit. Just as Aaron said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, every week we say, lead us not into temptation. And yet in this story, the Spirit of God leads Jesus straight to a place where he will be tempted. So what do we make of that? <laughs> this, is, this is difficult for us to understand, but understand it, we must. See, we, we tend to think that if God loves me, then God is going to protect me from struggles and temptations. Yet here in this story, we see the exact opposite. It is because Jesus knows exactly who he is that the Spirit leads him to a place where he is tempted. In fact, the story immediately, like literally the the very verse before this, is the baptism of Jesus, where he hears those precious, precious words, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. See, it always comes back to the baptism of Jesus in one form or another. We heard those same words last week on the Mount of Transfiguration, just before Jesus heads to Jerusalem and the cross. And so in both of these instances... Jesus hears with stark clarity his unassailable identity, that he is the beloved of God. God is so pleased with him, and because of that, not in spite of it, the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There is no greater test that any of us face in our lives than the test of our identity. 
Who do you think you are? Are you a beloved child of God? Or are you on your own in a cold, vast cosmos? This is the test that Jesus faces, as do we in Matthew and Mark and Luke, all record a version of this story, which means that it was really important to the early Christians. But interestingly, of course, the only person who would have witnessed these events is Jesus himself, which means that he either told the disciples about it after the fact, or perhaps more likely, the gospel writers used what they know about human nature to creatively interpret something that we all face, the testing of our identity and our struggle with the ego. In 2015, Ewan McGregor starred in a film called Last Days in the Desert, which is a creative interpretation of this biblical story. And in the film, McGregor plays both Jesus and the devil. And so the temptation is portrayed as an internal conflict, a dialogue within himself that Jesus is having over the kind of man that he is going to be. When things get hard, will he trust that he is the beloved of God or will he believe that God is toying with him for some inscrutable purpose? See, the temptation really comes down to these questions. Is God good? Can I trust God? And the genius of this film is that we all have this internal conflict, don't we? That's what the temptation story story in the garden is all about. Can we trust that God loves us and wants what's best for us? Or do we need to take life into our own hands and bend it to our will? Here's another way of asking the question. Do, Do we live in a benevolent universe? Or are we all on our own? Who will you listen to? at the end of a 40-day fast in the wilderness that Matthew tells us Jesus was famished. Yeah, I bet. And it's then, at his weakest, most vulnerable, that the devil comes to him and says, if you're the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread. And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is hungry. So what better to tempt him with than bread? And it's kind of strange to me every time I come to it. It's like, well, is it wrong to eat? Of course not. Uh, it's a, one of our most basic needs to eat, to be fed. What's the first thing an infant does after she's born? She looks to her mother to be fed. We all need to eat. And Jesus teaches us to ask God for our daily bread. And how much of Jesus' ministry is going to be given to the serving and the consuming of food. It's a big deal. It's good to eat. That's not the issue. The question is, how is Jesus going to use his power? And that's a temptation we all face. Temptation always takes something that is good and invites us to misuse it. Why not indulge your appetites? We live in a time with like near unlimited access to bodily indulgences that would make the kings and queens of old look upon us with envy. How many times have I said to myself, you know, why shouldn't I have this? You work hard. You deserve it. 
and where so many times I have given in, Jesus does not. He succeeds where we fail. Jesus knows that God is his provider, therefore he need not satisfy his own impulses, but instead trust God with his basic needs. So there's this bodily emphasis of the first temptation. The second is about religion, right? Throw yourself down from the temples that God might save you. And behind, there's a lot going on here, but behind this temptation is the assumption that if Jesus really is God's beloved son, then God would never allow him to be hurt. Does that sound familiar to you? Isn't this something that we all think when bad things happen to us? Loved one dies, the diagnosis comes in, life is just one cruel event after another. Are we all tempted to think, I, I guess God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe God never did. But Jesus knows better, and we need to know better too. James Finley says that God is the one who protects us from nothing, but sustains us through everything. That's an incredible statement. If we think that following Jesus is going to somehow shield us from pain and suffering, then our faith will not last. But like Jesus, if like Jesus we know that our suffering does not in any way alter our belovedness, then that's a faith that will endure. And I don't need to preach to you all about this point. Because you teach me. How many of you have lost loved ones too soon? How many of you have or are battling cancer or some other intractable illness and yet you're still here? Thank you. See, when we suffer, we're tempted to think that God doesn't love us anymore, and yet so many of you have taught me that God protects us from nothing but sustains us through everything. Thank you. Final temptation is all about power. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of this can be yours if you bow down and worship me. Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, power, power tempts us all. As we look at the world and its myriad problems, how many of us have thought, you know, I could do so much better if I were running the show. How many of you have had supervisors in your life who don't have a clue yet somehow have managed to advance to a position that they have no business being in. Oh, wait, you've had that experience too? Yes. See, we are all given choices every day to preserve our power or to do what's right. I'm not sure you can do both. And Jesus will not forsake what is right for the sake of power. But many of us, many of us do. See, in the end, the story is really not about how to resist temptation. 
whether it's indulging bodily impulses, thinking that God will protect us from harm, or the temptation to seize power by corrupt means in various ways, we've all failed the test. See, the point of the story is not Jesus resisted temptation, now you should too. The point of the story is that because Jesus passed the test, it's safe for us to fail. And that's good news. See, we're all tested in various ways throughout our life, and the point is not so much learning how to resist temptation as it is learning how to deal with our failures. Because we all fail. And not just once or twice, but again and again. And the good news is that in God's family, it's safe to fail. Because just like Jesus, we are God's beloved children too, and our failure doesn't change that. Nothing can change that. Who you listen to shapes your life. And like Jesus, we are surrounded by voices telling us who we are. And yet Jesus listened to the one voice that mattered, the voice that says, you're my beloved child. Who will you listen to? This Lenten season, however you choose to observe or not observe Lent, whether you fast or you pray, whether you fail or you succeed, may you know what Jesus knew, that you are and will always remain God's beloved child. Let's pray. Eternal God, as we begin this Lenten journey with Jesus in the wilderness, our struggles and temptations become all too real. Emptying ourselves of that which teases and tempts us to turn from you and to turn toward idols of comforts that don't satisfy and do not last. We pray for you to open our ears to your voice that we might hear your words of love and affirmation above the din. All too often, God, we choose the path that is known, the path that is comfortable. This Lent, give us the grace to, to slow down, to discern where we are and how we got here. What can we learn from where we've been? What new path might need to be forged? trusting that we are your beloved every step of the way. God, help us with our Lenten seeking. We need you as our guide. All too often, God, we prioritize our comfort and our convenience over the struggling and the suffering of others. Hear our desire to change. Help us to be deliberate in our actions and thoughtful in our choices. Help us to ask ourselves the hard questions. Who will our choices impact? Who might we unintentionally harm? What voices have we not heard from? To whom do we need to apologize? God, help us with our Lenten seeking. Finally, God, in this moment of prayer, we pause to decenter ourselves and our needs to focus on the needs of others. 
We pray for those who are fleeing violence, those who are grieving death and deep loss, those who are sick and their caregivers, those seeking healing from trauma, the victims of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse, the victims of hate, of racism, xenophobia, and transphobia. We pray for refugees and asylum seekers. We pray for world leaders seeking to resolve conflict through nonviolence and diplomacy. And we pray that the idols of money and power and privilege might be brought down in favor of love and justice and equity. We pray for those fighting for life after natural disaster. And we pray for those who are close to our hearts in need of your loving presence. For Barb as she recovers from surgery. For Aunt Jean as her health declines. For Miles as he undergoes treatment for a brain tumor. For Anne and Logan. For Margie, recently diagnosed with cancer. For Dorothy Grossman as she recovers. For Kim Halsey. For Don Stoltz and family. And for all those who we carry with us in our heart whom we lay before you now. Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of your people. Help us to walk with you during this Lenten season so that we can learn and grow in your embrace of love, that we might follow in the footsteps of our Savior who calls us to pray together in these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.